Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hello, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm very good. And how are you? I'm fine. I'm actually currently catching up with World of Interiors magazine. Oh, how lovely. I know. I just love World of Interiors. So I'm just, I'm just, you know, enjoying that I have about three months worth and I'm looking at them all at once and spreading them out till I get the most pleasing array of photographs. Oh, how nice. Do you, do you put a fantasy interior together or? Oh, now that's an idea. I haven't. I just, I just like it when I have a few months and then I sort of, I suppose I kind of am doing that without realising what I'm doing. I just get the pages I like and then, and then I put them together. You know, I sit on the floor and read them and, and spread out the pictures. Mm, that's a really interesting idea, is sort of getting several magazines and reading them at the same time. And that's my favourite. Combining That is my favourite thing. Like, and sometimes I read fashion and interiors together and then like, I'll stop on a page on one of them that I like and then move on and stop on the next one and go around and then see what I have. Ooh, I should try that. Mm, it's hours of fun. Oh, yeah, we should do courses and... Or like not courses, more like you can come to somewhere and then Have you can an do that. Yeah. Reading magazines mm. and seeing which pictures look good together yeah. from varied magazines. Yeah. Yes. Mm, okay. No doubt we would have endless amounts of people wanting to come and do that. Yeah, and then no we'll doubt. just come around a point and say, Oh, I do like that. Yeah. Or I'm not so sure. Okay, we found a venture. <laughs> this is how we'll make our millions. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, so apart from that, what have you been doing? Well, I've been um, looking at World War One-ish society ladies again. Oh, nice. Reviving your interests. Yes. And as part of that, I uh, looked at the memoirs of the daughter of an earl. She's very interesting. She was called Iris Capel, and she was the mm. daughter of the seventh Earl of Essex. And she was born in the late 19th century, 1895. And these memoirs, they're more like mm, several shortish essays. Yeah. They were published after she died in the 70s by some friends. And her her mother, she was called Adele Essex, and she was one of those, uh, what are they called, dollar princesses. You know, she was one of oh, the yes. American women who came over and married an aristocrat. And she... It's just really nice because she talks a few times in two of the essays. The two are quite similar. She talks about seeing her parents getting ready for to face the day, I think, as she calls it, in the morning. Oh, lovely. And it's, it's, she talks about her father, that he might be shaving when she comes in. But what I really like, uh, he, has a tiny, he has a tiny pair of curling tongs for his moustache. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so he apparently, wow. apparently he has a, a spirit lamp and then he holds curling tongs over the spirit lamp to make them hot. Ooh. And then he um, turns up the hairs on, on either side of his moustache, so they exactly match. That is insane. Yeah. And you would have to be so careful or you could injure yourself quite badly, I should think. Exactly, because she said um, what she oh says... Um, I would not want to put a really hot... No, near your mouth. mouth. Exactly. She actually says the tiny pair of curling tongues held so delicately in his great blunt fingers. Oh, that's so nice. And she said she had that he had to be watched in breath held silence for fear of causing the hand to tremble. Oh, 
my goodness. And I love that because it completely puts paid to ideas of, you know, it's just the ladies getting themselves all done up. No, absolutely not. And also he always has a buttonhole and he always gets offered three, a violet or carnation or rosebud. From his I ballet. want someone to offer me a violet carnation or a rosebud yeah. each day. And they never find out what happens to the discarded one. So obviously he's just choosing one. And oh, of course. So they think George, the valet, has some sort of deal with a local florist. <laughs> and apparently, poor George, she says it's totally fine when we're in London. So it's easy for George. But when they're in some mansion in the country countryside for shooting, sometimes they they don't have a good greenhouse, so he he doesn't know what to do for his butt for the buttonholes. Oh no! And apparently the earl, while his daughter says he's actually a nice man, he he's he's someone who shouts all the time and kicks people if they well, don't. That no. Bar for no. <laughs> so I think George is sort of seems to be worried that that's the problem and he's apparently sometimes has to take a bike and go to the nearest estate and then talk to the gardener there so he can produce three buttonholes in the morning oh my god and does it always have to be those three flowers or or mm, she any, does mention there could be seasonal issues maybe yeah she does mention once violets a carnation a rosebud but but maybe that's just sort of one example. Um, she does mention it again, and then she doesn't say which flowers. So I suspect whatever the greenhouse, mm. the local greenhouse or florist wow. have. And then also she talks about him having, he's he always wears the same. When he's in London, he wears double-breasted blue serge. And when he's in the country, he wears tweed. And if if one of the suits don't look good anymore he just gets the same one again and does it say where he gets them from from pool ah and i don't know how you pronounce that but you probably know glenn urquhart tweed it's yes so it's yeah it's got a q in it which puzzles me somewhat and an h after the q u i think it is urquhart urquhart and apparently Apparently, it has that has a thin pink and blue line running through, and they couldn't produce these lines during the war, and that again made oh, him very, very angry. He's a bit of a miss. Yeah, he is a little bit. Um, and then wow. he wears a bow tie. I mean, I admire the style and the devotion, but you know, don't take it out on other people. No, exactly. But also, ah, uh, here she says again: violets in winter, a rosebud in the summer, and a carnation or a gardenia for a special occasion Whoa. Mm. and That's then very nice the other thing she says she also talks about her mother and i i love that she talks about her mother being dressing or rather being dressed by louise her french maid and then she actually really it's only a few sentences but you saw rarely hear about that in detail so that must be sort of early 20th century and she says first the chemise and the so-called french knickers made of the finest lawn and clean every day but then she also said oh so she believed but we knew that often louise simply ironed those worn the day before oh no louise i know the valet george would not get away with such sloppiness no And then she puts in the corset. The corset was put on and laced up. Then a bust bodice and a petticoat. And then 
she gets her hair done all down to the hat. So everything is finished and she also attends to her maquillage. So, so much for women not wearing any makeup at yeah, that point. Exactly. And then she puts on her boots and then she steps into her dress. It's never put on over her uh, head, which makes sense. At that point, she probably would yes, have had an enormous hat. So yeah. it's, it's put in a little puddle, she calls it. Or does she call it puddle? Yeah, in a kind of pool. And then she steps into the dress and the dress is pulled up. Fascinating. Yeah. And I thought it was, that made me sort of think about things you don't, you know, there's sort of certain things in dress history, sort of empirical things that are really hard to to find out. Yes. Yeah. No, that's a really, both for the father and the mother, really beautifully observed, detailed getting dressed things and and it's also I think it's so easy to forget that you couldn't have got dressed without help mm. if you were an upper class person yeah and I, I I always find it strange that we're supposed to admire the fact that people can't do things by themselves I know it's that you're so la-di-da you can pay others to do those things for you but I don't really understand why being an incapable baby is a thing to be admired. Yeah. And I guess some some of what she's, some of what the uh, countess, I guess it would be, some of it she could have done herself. She could have ironed yeah. her knickers. Um, yes. But I guess the dress, that probably really isn't possible. I don't, I don't think so. And I don't know if you could get a corset on, the kind of corset no. they had then. No, I yourself. guess not. Yeah, yeah. And she's, she also talks about Louise having to do up the multitudinous hooks and eyes, usually all down back the back of the dress. Because I suppose there isn't, it's like, just as there isn't a concept of comfort in the way we would think of it in clothing, there isn't one of sort of ease of use, either in terms of getting dressed and undressed or cleaning and maintaining it. Mm. Yeah, and I guess there's also on on the maybe on the flip side. Not sure that is actually the flip side, but you also get then garments that maybe you don't need so much anymore now, like dressing gowns or because you when you or this whole idea of slipping into something a bit more comfortable, <laughs> which yeah, I guess in certain jobs now you probably still do that. You you know you come home throw a few high heels and yes yeah. It's just thankfully yeah, it, I don't. No, it, but it's, <laughs> no, thankfully we're not, we're not having to wear corsets to work. No. <laughs> but it's very interesting. And also that with the First World War, most of that will go. Yeah. Mm. That, that there's, For various reasons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think it's interesting as well with, with the father, the kind of weird fashions in facial hair and the implements that go with it and also i wonder if we would recognize mustache tongs if we saw them. i know that's i mean obviously i have seen the what is it called what you put at night over your mustache to keep it in place oh that sort of funny mask thing that yeah. goes over your ears yeah so I have, yes. I have, I'm not sure I've actually seen an actual one, but I, I wouldn't be surprised whether, you know, we probably have one at the Museum of London, probably yes. several, but the curly, curling tongs, I don't know, you probably would think they're children, uh, dolls ones or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I know, and it's, yeah, it's such a strange thing. I wonder when that became fa- fashionable. I, yeah, because do, do sort of facial hair fashions, I always think of them beginning with the military for some reason. I mean, I know some of them definitely begin with the military because unlike beards fashion after the Crimean War because so many grew beards, or am I just making that up? No, I think that's right, because I was just thinking about the um, French Revolution period when when you meant to look like a god and gods don't have mustaches i think as far as i i know and so, i don't think they do bitch, no for some reason and they certainly don't have mustache tongs no so at that point there were no mustache or mustaches true. or beards i think there's a that i think there's a couple of mustaches in like anger or, or an artist like that yeah, i have a maybe. feeling i've seen odd rather sort of sparse looking moustache but I don't know definitely clean shaven was was fashionable sort of turn of the century mm. and but then, then would you need your little mini tongs to get your your Caesar style hairdo well I have this I there is I think I mentioned before there's this amazing book called the devil in Paris I think it's from the 1840s or oh, 50s yes, you've told me about and that. there is there is a little tiny little picture of a man with um what are they called you know when you have like rags in your hair oh yes papi- yes. papillotes or something like that they're called yeah. so I think oh. that's that's what that's what you do to get the curls oh my goodness mm. that's also a very good picture of masculinity that I like mm. the idea of having to twiddle your hair and then roll it on papers and tie it up so it looks like you've got a sort of host of butterflies on your yeah and I think that particular man if I remember correctly he actually has a mustache as well so by that point yeah and I I was just thinking Prince Albert he definitely I think always has one but not a really massive one it's more like a quite a yeah it's a more sort of trimmed moustache but he may have had a moustache comb he there might be royal tongs even curling tongs oh my god imagine yeah and and I also always, partly because it's just a funny name, I also liked Dundreary Whiskers. Because was that from a play? I, I don't even know what they look like. Are they really the they're big kind ones? Of, they're, they're like the really big sort of sideburn things. Mm. I don't know what that comes this from. This is droopy. Mm. I have a feeling there's a play that was popular where a character had them. Mm. Might have been. But interesting as well, because I think particularly in the past but probably today as well because getting dressed to go out was was more of a thing i think lots of children had have memories had and have memories of their parents getting dressed and to I, go out. I think yeah and i think also they wouldn't have seen their parents very much so she True. she talks about having at 7 30 in the morning she has a half an hour's piano practice in the chili nursery and then after breakfast, then she has breakfast, and then they are brought. She and her sister are brought to the parents, and and then I think the parents go out, and that's it for the day. You know, even wow. She also once remembers there was a fire. She actually they lived in um, not in Mayfair. Where did they live? They're near Harley Street for a while, I think. Oh right. And she remembers. She can actually remember Queen Victoria coming dinner to the house opposite 
I just oh can't. And she lived until 77 or something like that. That just must must have been just such a weird... She's a very interesting person. She also apparently set up one of the first car rental companies in the 1920s. Oh, how funny. Yeah, she was a keen what motorist. A funny mix of yeah, she was a very, very keen motorist, apparently. Um, wow. But why am I saying that? Oh, yeah, she. so there is this fire in the house at one point, and the mother suddenly turns up and in, in the evening with a few gentlemen, young gentlemen in tow. And she also mentions, yeah, that the mother is all dressed up. And But I guess, you know, she wouldn't have probably seen her uh, between the morning ritual and then, and then no, this. No, that's true. So the getting dressed aspect is really key to their relationship with their, fa- their parents. Yes, I guess so. Because mm. I, I know there's a book called Mommy Dressing that I really like by Lois oh, really? Gold, whose, whose mother was Joe Copeland. I, I've, I haven't read it for ages. I'm going to reread it um, for an article I'm writing. And it's fascinating because Joe Copeland was a, an American, New York-based ready-to-wear designer, but she was very kind of strict. And, you know, she talks a lot about watching her mother get dressed and the kind of, you know, very... I mean, in, in a way, it's similar to the period you're talking about mm. in that it's very kind of corseted or at least you know um like boned dresses and and having to be slim and putting on your makeup and your perfume and your jewelry and uh the kind of layers of things that she would wear Mm. and and how her mother was quite distant and I guess that's a sort of intimate thing yes even if your mother is distant that you're seeing her kind of undressed but in all senses of the word and then becoming this fashion figure that's true Mm. the the other thing she she mentions is her putting on the veil her hat veil oh interesting yeah she said it was adjusted around the chin in such a way that its larger black spots came in the right places places on the cheeks oh i love that Mm. yeah because i always think it's such a beautiful thing when when women have those veils with the dots on yeah and i i hadn't thought about positioning them yeah i i've never seen one i think with different size dots i think once when your students came we i took out we have this bag which has seven or eight veils oh in i them remember yes in different colors and oh that's beautiful and i i but i, I think they're all quite regular so she must I have think had so. yeah a special veil and and also the idea of placing like moving it till you get them where you want to have mm. the dots in relation to your features. Yeah, yeah. So that because they're so kind of tantalising. I think it's really interesting that they're at the time they're about kind of modesty and protecting your skin supposedly, and yet they must they're just the most tantalising things. Like you can't take. I suppose you. I can't take my eyes off them because it's so unusual. Perhaps it wasn't as fascinating then. But I also always think they act like a like a filter, you know, yes. like an Instagram filter. They make everything. I always think True. that's why um, Queen Alexandra. I think she always wore wore a veil when she was older, oh. and even you know, even through the twenties, when people weren't really well wearing them anymore. I I guess she was wearing something old fashioned. You know, the whole whole yes. outfit was quite old fashioned. But I always thought it. I always wondered whether it was partly because it, it you know, you, you can't see the wrinkles or anything. It acts a bit like a blur. 
blurry thing. It sounds wonderful. I think we need to re you know reintroduce them. Yeah. And and do you when when are those lovely ones you showed my students and I? When I think they from... they're from the same period. I think they're from sort of early twentieth century, um, maybe into war, first world war period. I think I I think they're from around there. Because mm. um, they're lovely. Yeah. We also have some really nice motoring bonnets and veils, and they're often Well, really... I was going to say, when you mentioned motoring, I was going to say, I'd, you know, Daddy's moustache <laughs> would have to be pinned or something, you know, nice during motoring. Yeah, although I think probably the period she talks about at that point is sort of just before. I yes. think they would just, they would have gone in the carriage. Um, and I think it sounds like when he's in London, he... He is at his club a lot of the time, and at the racing. At, yeah, he goes to the race to the turf club, and he also goes to the races. So um, I don't it's think it's amazing what men did to avoid their families. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Although she does say he was fond of us children and liked to take us about with him. Um, oh well, that's nice. Yeah. And does she talk about getting dressed herself? Does she say anything about her outfits? She doesn't say much, but that she does mention that she wasn't particularly interested in clothes, and her mother, who was a well-known beauty and sergeant, painted her, and right. um, she she made them these special clothes, the two children, and she said they were like gym tunic dresses. And oh wow. And they had very flimsy belts, and he didn't oh, like that. So he oh. he took the two girls to a saddler in South Audley Street and had them proper leather belts <laughs> made. Up. Yes. That's so funny. And she said that that looked really weird with their tunics of electric blue taffeta with ruchings, and then they had these wow. really, really big belts. Wow, I was not imagining electric blue taffeta with ruching i was thinking something much more severe no but yes the idea of of i mean any element like any two of those elements together is is a bad idea but then a big leather belt as well yeah and she 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 doesn't like that and she doesn't like that she and her four-year younger sister have to wear the same all the time no i can understand that so she has to still wear socks when she's actually quite old. And then her mother at some point says she can decide what she wants to wear. Um, and she, she, doesn't, she doesn't know what, what to say. And after a while, she sort of thinks about it. I think, what does she say? Oh, she doesn't want to wear combinations ever again. And that's all she can think of. She doesn't... Oh, combinations. Combinations. I think there are uh, oh, underwear. underwear. Yeah, and they're yes. just the, um, knickers and, and top in one. She doesn't want to wear yeah. those again, but otherwise she doesn't care. So she's not, for herself, she's not particularly interested in, in clothes. So that's, I guess that makes That's it... interesting as well. And it may be, because I suppose watching your parents get dressed, if they're that fastidious, which it seems both of them were, mm. particularly her father... That's going to take you one way or the other, isn't it? Either I you're guess. going to think this is the most fabulous and absorbing thing and I must do this myself, or you're going to think I am never spending time on this frippery. Yeah, yeah, and she must have gone. Personally, I'm absorbed. Yeah, I'm quite absorbed. Uh, but she must have gone. She's, she, she then went totally into cars and learning mechanics. and Wow. 
Good so, for her. Yeah. No, she sounds very, very interesting. She went to... Have you got pictures of her? Um, there were some in this little booklet. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a few, but not that many. I'm not sure how to describe her. I just wondered if you'd also seen her or her parents in the magazines that you were looking at. I've seen the mother appears quite a lot. The father, yeah, the father. I tried to find a picture, and that was actually not that easy because she sort of describes him as looking quite stocky, and I and I wanted to see the moustache. Basically, that's of what it course. was. Of course, <laughs> my God, we all want to see the moustache. I I I think I found a tiny little picture somewhere. So he's not the mother is pictured a lot, um, well, because she was this sort of known society beauty and a hostess, mm. and moved in all the right circles, but the father yeah it doesn't seem to appear it sounds very much she's the daughter also says that that when she sort of really knew them as as it were she they were sort of living separate lives pretty much so they they sound like a bit of an incongruous couple and at some point the daughter says i don't know what they were like when they were first married but when i when i really sort of got to know them they were living separate lives. Wow. Because you said that the mother was American. Yes. Mm. So is there, but they were entirely based in in England. Yeah, so she was from New York and she at some point took, and wealthy, not, not crazy wealthy like some of them, mm. but, and quite wealthy. And she apparently took the whole family off to Paris at some point and she she went to the Sorbonne apparently so she sounds quite she sounds very interesting the yes. mother Adele the mother yeah. yeah and then she's married she's she gets engaged to one peer in London and that falls through for whatever reason and then she marries um this this Earl of of Essex uh, and then she has these two she has these two daughters and they have various houses in London consecutively not not at the same time yeah, yeah and they have one very near Barclay Square which is which is still there I think it's right ne- next to the to the Vivian Westwood shop in David, oh, David Street I think so I might I might be wrong and then they have another house in the in the country where they sometimes go so the usual yeah yeah mm. It does, does the father do they separate any ever or are they just together mm. but not together yeah, they they're together but not together. It's it's interesting how she talks about when there is this fire, and um, I can't find it now. But she says something about her mother turning up all sparkly with two gallons in tow, who were going. I don't to... understand what you mean. Do you mean that the, the house is on fire? Yeah, so they there is a. And she turns up. With so her she's out. It's in the evening. The two girls are I just see. are just there with their governess and some fire breaks out and a fire brigade comes and then she says oh i found it now my mother out at a dinner party was informed by telephone and the next thing our sleepy eyes knew was her appearance in glittering evening dress accompanied by two or three young gallants who had come who had come to quench the flames blimey yeah that would be so weird yes and the poor, I mean, the poor governess the later is sad i know mm. i know the thought that you're that of your children being in the house mm. and yes I mean it's too much I don't think my brain can compute yeah. that image oh my god 
Can you hear Coda? He's growling. He no. clearly doesn't like the thought of that either. No, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. He's like, never leave me alone in the house. No, no, you shouldn't. And well, just turn up glittering. <laughs> with gallons. <laughs> with gallons. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind hanging around with gallons, although I think, you know, the reality I probably would enjoy. But yeah. Just yeah. the word gallons is good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's a good point to stop. Maybe it is because we need to. I need to attend to Codus and reassure him that will never happen to him. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you do that. I will. All right. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.